0: to Welcome for the first time into our church as a family, Mr. and Mrs. Gail, right here. Give them a hand. Welcome back from your honeymoon and congratulations, guys. Um, on the backs of your chairs, just a reminder there's envelopes for giving, there's some information about our church. Um, at the back table, you can pick up prayer cards and praise cards. Please fill one of those out and share with us um, what's going on with you and with God. Um, Just a reminder, and in case you weren't here last week, um, as you're entering and exiting the building, if you would wear a mask, that would be helpful. We've been asked to do that, so we just want to honor that and um, do what we're asked so that we still have this building to worship in, um, because we're so thankful that we're here. Um, So just in and out of the building once you're in here, you don't need it. Kids don't need it in Children's Church either. So Sarah has a tithe message for us this morning. She's going to come up.
1: Y'all know how to tithe. Y'all know how to give. You know how to take care of each other. You know how to take care of the community. You know what? You go out and you preach the gospel. You guys don't even need reminders of it, do you? You guys are so good. And, and um, you know, you, just in your actions, we can see that you guys are followers of Christ. So... We're just gonna pass the buckets, and we get to do it joyfully. But I do also. Um, we want to just pray over Mercy and Noah because they are addition to our church body, which means you know we are also accountable to help support them and and grow them because you know marriage is not easy. It's very rewarding, <laughs> but you know what? Real life happens, and um, so we want to make sure that. Um, we're supporting them and we're encouraging them because you know what, I don't know if you know this Noah, but the word of God says he who finds a wife finds a good thing. So you have a good thing there. Um, the word of God said that to you. Um, and so we're just going to pray because you know what, you, you found something valuable and mercy, um. God gave you a man of honor which will lead your household and so this is just really good. So if you're sitting next to the just or if you want to lift a hand towards them, we do that in just obedience to the, the Lord. So Lord, we thank you for mercy and Noah. We thank you, Lord, that that you plan this union together, Lord, that you are gonna use them to um, complement each other so that they can do the work in the in the destiny that you have called for them. On this earth, so we just thank you, Lord, and we just, in agreement, say that we are going to support and encourage them in their marriage, in their walk, and in their destiny and call. We just thank you in Jesus' mighty name, Amen. 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 That's good. Come on, see. I mean, we're the bride of Christ. You get excited about a bride. It's been a while. We've, we need. It's, I, th- I think the last wedding we had for our church was you guys. Now you got two kids, and you just keep going. <laughs> Here next. Awesome. Matt's got a good word. You know what? I talked about Jesus, and guess what we're going to talk about today? Yeah, because you know We're going to talk about salvation, and who brought us salvation? Jesus. So give him a hand as he comes up, cause he's got an awesome word for you today.
2: Is that better? I'm a little hoarse this morning, but... I, I have a horse, yes. <laughs> a little neigh this morning. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So if I take a lot of drinks, I'm just drinking. My sinuses decided two days ago that they want to drain and didn't tell me. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you as we, um, as we get into your word, God, you reveal your plan, your purpose, your your mission on this earth, God, for us. We thank you that as we hear your word, that it stirs something in us. It it um, pushes on our hearts and nudges on our spirit, God. And we just thank you for what you're going to say to us today. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. All right. So Sarah gave it away what I was going to talk about. So, but the God, yes. So the gospel consists of three definite facts. The gospel of Jesus Christ is three definite facts. Jesus died for our sins. He was buried. And he rose again on the third day. That that is like foundational. If 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 you don't believe those, you don't believe anything else he said. You don't believe what God did. You don't believe you have to believe those things in order to look at the, the rest of the Bible and say, okay, everything in this in this book from cover to cover is true. Because if we don't believe that, we can't accept anything in the New Testament as um, benefit to us. So salvation comes through believing with the heart and confessing with the mouth. This is elementary stuff I'm going to be speaking to, about today. Um, a lot of us learned this when we were in, you know, in children's church when we were kids, um, but we're going to touch on it. And I just think that you know, we need to talk about salvation because without salvation, what are we? What, what is the church without salvation? The church without salvation is just a, a, a social club of people meeting together and, you know, good job, buddy. You did a good job. No, we, we, we can have social clubs anywhere else. We need a, a group of people that says, you know what, salvation is key to our existence. Without salvation, why are we doing what we're doing? We might as well worship a microwave at that point if we don't believe in <laughs> salvation. I mean, so we have to look at salvation and say, what is it, and what is it for me, and how do I relate to it? So, in the scriptures, Jesus, in the Gospels, he used a word, and, and it was all. And he always said this. He says, "Come." And I, if you think about this, what, what does Jesus say? He says, "Come." And I'm going to read you a couple of scriptures. And it says, and this is Matthew 11:20. I've got a lot of scriptures, so. You guys don't need to write them down if you don't want to. You can, but there's a lot of scripture here today. So uh, Matthew 11:20 says, "Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest." Yes. Are you burdened? Are you? Ha- Do you have a? All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to when I was uh, in Christian school. Does anybody ever, anybody ever read the book Pilgrim's Progress? Yes, thank you, Indiana Wesley. And there we go, right there. <laughs> So there's a book by John Bunyan, and it's called Pilgrim's Progress. It's a very um, familiar Christian book. And this man has a um, every sin, every burden on his back, and he is traveling through Life, And he's going through the countryside, and he's trying to get rid of this burden. And Jesus is saying to us, he goes, do you have something on you that is causing you pain, that is causing you sorrow, that's causing you burden, to weigh you down, to chain you to what it is? says, come to me. Are you heavy laden? Come to me. I will give you rest. That right there. That scripture is just like... Because we've all been there. We've all been to that point where sin is holding us down. Weight of of guilt and shame is holding us down. And Jesus says, I will give you rest. That makes me, I was reading that last night. And I was like, I don't have that anymore. But it's the reminder of it that makes me tear up, that makes me thankful for it. Jesus says in John six thirty seven. sorry, I can't see very well now, um, says, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Jesus says, take your burdens and give them to me. Take your pain, your suffering, your, your sorrow, your grief, and give it to me. And if you come to me, I will never push you out. That's the joy of salvation is that when we come to Jesus and we lo- t- load off everything that we have on him, he says, oh, by the way, now you get to come close to me. Layla, come here. Mm. My child uh, is, come here. So she's got a little crud too. We're believing we're for healing. But Jesus says, are you heavy? Are something wearing on you? He says, I'll take it from you. And when I take it from you, now you're close to me. And he puts his arms around. And he says, I love you, you're my child, and you're beautiful. So down. <laughs> but he takes our burdens and he takes our shame and he takes everything and says, I'm going to throw it off you. Give it to me, I can take it. I, I, he can handle a lot, we can't. And he says, but when you come to me, I will never cast you out. He, he brings us in and he hugs us. I accidentally hugged Denise today. And I didn't realize she wasn't hugging. I gave her a side hug. You know, good Christian hug. Um, and, but Jesus says, come here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap my arms around you. Yeah. I'm going to pull you close. And I'm never going to cast you out. He's inviting people to come into a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. He's not like, well, you know, hey, I might see you in passing. And we can talk and we'll have a good conversation. And I might encourage you. He's like, no, I am with you. I'm inviting, when we... When he says, Come to me, he's inviting us to have an intimate relationship so that we don't know anything else but him. So when he invi- okay. So a little backstory. A couple years ago, Noah comes over to our house. We're having a party. Mercy's at our house. And Jordan and I are, are prepping him with questions to see if he would be the proper fit for mercy. We're like, Noah, do you like to read? What kind of movies do you like? Do you like Harry Potter? You know, we're asking him these questions. It, it's funny, but we were. And, and so Jordan and I, after, we're like, what do you think? Oh, I don't know. you know. <laughs> but Jesus doesn't ask those questions for us to enter into a relationship with him. We gave our seal of approval, it's okay. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but Jesus doesn't say, hey, um, do you like to do this? Do you like to do this? Are you okay with this? No, he says, You're gonna co- once you come to me, that means you unload everything. That means your life is no longer yours. Yeah. That means when I tell you that this is how it's going to be, my wife is notorious for him, like, I'm yeah, like, you should probably do this. Don't you tell me what to do. <laughs> and then she snaps and goes like this at me. I'm like, you should probably, she goes, don't you tell me. And, um, but Jesus says, this is what you're going to do. Because there, there's, there's something in that relationship that requires surrender. There's something in that relationship that requires us to give up what we want in order to have that relationship with him. He says, don't worry, I'm going to, you give up what you want, I'm going to fulfill the desires of your heart. But what he does is this, is he invites us into it. He doesn't, he doesn't sit at the door and go, open the door, open the door, like our kids do on the bathroom door. <laughs> you in there? You in there? He doesn't knock at the door and say, let me in. He says, will you open the door and let me in? He doesn't break it down. He's not forceful. He is gentle and he is like a, a good, he is the good shepherd. So he sits at the door and says, I'm just waiting for you to open it up. I knock a couple of times. If you don't hear it, that's fine. I'll knock again later. But he's always waiting for us to invite him into that relationship. John four fourteen says, but whosoever drinks of the water that I will give will never be thirsty again. That water I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Think about this. He's sitting at the well and the Samaritan woman comes down to him. He knows, okay, we talked about Jesus last time. 100% man, 100% God. Blows your mind, don't understand it quite yet. Don't think we ever will until we get to heaven and we see him face to face and then go, yeah, okay, (laughs) makes more sense now. But he's sitting at the well and the woman comes down and he knows her past and he knows her future and he says, you know what, give me a drink. And she says, why, 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 is a, why is a Jew asking a Samaritan for a drink? If you don't understand the culture, they, the Samaritans were, an, were considered less than. They were not worthy of uh, praying in the temples and worshiping in the temples, and they, and they uh, discarded them like refuge. But Jesus is sitting at the well. He's like, this is the only well. Here, I need something to drink. As I need it now. But the woman says, why, sh- why, why are you asking me this? He goes, well, you've got husbands, you've had husbands, and you're living with a man. And she instantly knew from a stranger going up to her and saying, hey, this. But what he says is, if you drink of the water that I'm going to give you, you'll never be thirsty again. This woman was, in that culture, women went down to the, uh, to the well in the mornings and the evenings. And they would all go in groups for safety. But this woman came down by herself because she was rejected. She was alone. She was thought of as a little whorish, I guess you could say. Um, I don't know how to say that any nicer. But, yes, she was rejected. But Jesus said, he said, I'm inviting you to come into a relationship with me. I'm inviting you to drink the water that I can give you. And she was like, in her mind, she's like, you ever had that moment where God just speaks to you? And you're like, that's my aha moment with God, where he's like, this is what you need to do, or this is what you should have done, or this is how, how he's correcting her or um, encouraging you. And you're just like, man, that's that moment that God doesn't. And she had that moment, and she's like, this is the man who, this man who says he is the son of God, is the son of God. And what does she do? She doesn't just sit there and go, okay, yeah. And she, she wants to tell everybody. She's like, I've met him. I know him. I don't think that when she met him, it wasn't a conversion. I don't think Jesus, you know, witnessed people and they didn't convert. I believe the people that Jesus ministered to one-on-one had that recognition of who he was and said, I want what he has. Even John the Baptist, who was sent to be a forerunner for him, said, I'm still not worthy to do this. I need you to do this for me. Because he understood the value of who Jesus was. So John 7.37 says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. That, that word come means that you have to get up and go. It's not like you, you come to me when I'm, I'm ready to do this, you, I'll, I'll let you know. And I think sometimes in our relationship, and our walk with Jesus, we do that. You know, we're we know he's at the door, but we leave the door shut. We're like, if I'd be really quiet, he won't know I'm here, and we lock the door really quiet, and then you hide out in the house. Have you ever done that when somebody shows up? <laughs> like <laughs> um yeah but yes my uh my father in- law has a nice lady that lives a couple houses down, and um she'll yeah, she'll just walk in your house, so if you're on the lookout, you lock the doors. And then you go run into the living room and make sure you don't be, say anything so she can't hear you or see you. And um, she's probably a sweet lady, but when, you know, when she's at your house for five hours and then on end. But, um, but I think our, our, our walk with God sometimes is that way in our life before Jesus was that way is I'm just going to shut the door. I'm going to lock it. I'm going to pull the curtains. I'm going to hide in the room that has the least amount of windows that face out so he can't see me. and He can't. See what I'm doing. I talked about this a couple weeks ago when your kids hide in the closet and they eat things because they don't think you can see them, but there's external consequences to th- when you hide in the closet and eat things. But Jesus says, come and drink from this well. Come and I will give you rivers of living water that flow through me and they will flow through you. Revelation 3.20 says this, and this is the Passion Translation, it says, Behold, I'm standing at the door and knocking. If your heart is open to hear my voice and you open the door within, I will come into your heart, or excuse me, I will come into you and your heart and feast with you and you will feast with me. So that's, that idea of standing at the door and knocking, that's not the first time that we, we hear about that scripture. We, we see other references to it in, in um, the Bible. But the understanding of this, in, in if you look at the, the Aramaic translation, so the, is basically this, I've been standing at the door knocking. Now I stand at the door. He goes, I've been here. And I think so many times there's, there's that moment when we realize Jesus is there. And that moment where we just said, oh, he is there. Now I'm going to let him in. He says, I have been there. He, from the moment we were conceived, he has been at our, the door of our heart going, let me in, let me in. He doesn't, he's not forceful with it, but he's there. And he says, I have been knocking. And this reference is, is the idea of, in that culture, the, what would happen is, is, the person that was supposed to be betrothed to the groom would be in her house and the father of the groom and the groom would come to the door and they would go and what would happen is if the bride wanted to be married to him she would open the door and her response would be yes I will marry you old school proposal right there a little more elaborate these days but um But think about that. So Jesus is the bridegroom and his father is standing at the door of our hearts. And he's saying, all our job is to do is to open the door and say, yes, I will let you in. That act of opening the door is the act of receiving the groom. When she opened that door, she said, I receive you. I accept you. But what Jesus is doing, when he stands at our our door and he knocks and he's saying, do you receive me? Do you accept me? And so when he knocks at that door, it's our job to respond to him. There has to be a response to Jesus moving. There has to be a response to Jesus um, speaking to us. When the Father is speaking to us, there has to be a response. And that response is opening that door. Romans 1, 20 through 21, says, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they have clearly seen the, his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature so they have no excuse for knowing or excuse me not knowing who he is yes they knew god but they wouldn't worship him as god or give him thanks and they began to think of foolish ideas of what god was like as a result their minds became dark and confused jesus the father and the holy spirit in the old testament they're creating the, they're making the tower of babel because they're going to they're going to build a tower to the sky. And he says, "Let us go down and let us confuse their language, let us confuse their tongue." And that's where all the different languages started to come from. But they had this idea of what God was. And we uh, I think as even if we were raised in Christian homes or we went to church, we have a preconceived idea of who God is. We have an understanding. You could be raised in the best Christian home, but you still have a preconceived idea of who God is. Because there's always a fault in us that thinks of God a certain way, and he's like, I want to correct that. I want, I want you to understand who I am, not just what you think I am. So we have to acknowledge God as who he is, creator. You know, it's funny because God spoke. Jesus is the word. When God spoke, Jesus was on the face of the earth. And he was working on God's behalf and the Holy Spirit was hovering over the earth. When we see Jesus, Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the exact character, the exact um, representation of who the Father is. So we have to acknowledge Him that He is God. Romans 3.23 says this. I'm reading the Romans road if you haven't figured that out yet, so I'm just letting you know. It says, all have sinned, and their attempts to reach God's, in His glory, have failed. One translation says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. When we think of glory, we think of, oh, you know, oh, this person, oh, you're just so good. You're so good. No, there's something different about that kind of glory and the glory of God. You know, Moses said, let me see your glory. And God's like, no, you couldn't take it. You couldn't physically survive if you saw the glory of God. He said, but hide behind this rock and you'll just see the trail of my glory going by. And what did it do? You guys remember that? You guys have watched the Charleston Heston movie. Come on, you know. He sees God, he comes down, and Charleston Heston has a giant big beard now, even bigger than he had before, and it's all white. It probably didn't go exactly like that. But the moment he saw even the tail of God's robe going by, the glory of God coming by, it aged him. But it wasn't in a way that was like, oh, now he's 150 years old. It was like the glory of God was so powerful, so strong that he could, his physical body couldn't stand. To it, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, of His perfection, of of who He is, and His ultimate design was for us to live in that glory. But we've all fallen short. When we were born, we were born into sin. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Eve. Good job. Um, but we were born in a sinful world. We live in a, in a fallen world where people will do unspeakable things, and they will, and things happen. But God said, no matter what, I still love you. You've fallen short, but you have to understand that. You have to recognize that you cannot compare. Your good deeds, your lifestyle, your actions do not compare to the glory of God, and we can't live up to that. Romans 5.8 says this, but God shows his great love for us in this way, that Christ died while we were still sinners. You can respond to that. That's an amen right there. Yeah. Amen. Thank you. All right. You can respond to these when I say these. Think about this. He knew Ed. He knew Jordan. He knew Sally. He knew Michelle. John Adonis, Irv, Ray, and Mel. He knew every one of us and he said, you know what? I think I'm going to send my son and I'm going to have him die for them. But they're not going to be born for another 2,000 years. Think about that. While we were still sinners, the moment we were born, we were sinners. Because there is no one that is born righteous like Jesus. There's no one that is righteous like God. There's an age of accountability that who knows what it is now? It's probably like 27. Um, but but, after you take the bubble wrap off them and take them out of their plastic bubble and you send them out, and they're like, "Oh, this is what life is like." OK. Um, but we all need forgiveness. He died for us while we were still sinners. He didn't say, well, I'm going to die for everybody up to this point, and you guys are going to be okay. Everybody else, eh, I don't know. Good luck. Leave them to your own devices. No, he said, I'm going to die while we were sinners. While Judas was was betraying him, while Peter was denying him, he said, I'm going to die for them. So Jesus, through Jesus, God gave us a way to be saved. He showed us his love by giving his only begotten son. What's the first verse you learn when you go into children's church when you're a kid? If you ever been in a I was an Wana kid for like five years, man. I had a little vest, I had a little... I was, looking pretty, I was looking pretty good. Um, first verse you learn, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I went KJV on that one. That's how I memorized it. I still say it that way. I can read it and I still say it that way. I can read it completely different, but I still say it that way. He gave us life by potentially allowing us to put off all of our sins, to dump all of our sins onto his son. I said, potentially, and here's why. We have the choice to. We have the choice to dump all of our junk on Jesus. Or we have the choice to live in it and carry it and allow it to control us. But he gave us a potential for life. He gave us the opportunity. He says, I want you to choose this day. This is not Jesus, this is God. He says, I want you to choose this day. Do you choose blessings? Do you choose cursings? Do you choose to carry your sin, your shame, the load that you've had for the regrets? Or do you choose to jump, dump them off on my son who will carry them for you? You choose blessing, you choose cursing. Which one is it though? God's like, you can't have both. Can't be riding down that line of, oh, I want a little bit of cursing, a little bit of blessing. Depends on what day it is. It doesn't make sense, does it? I don't, want, I don't want, the, I want blessing. I don't want cursing. But we have the choice. Romans 6.23 says, the payment for sin is death. That's not good. That doesn't mean physical death. That's going to happen no matter what. Because if the payment for sin was death, then we would have died a long time ago after the first time we sinned. If it was just physical death, we wouldn't be here right now. But Jesus says, if you remain in me, remain in me, and not, not, well, come to me and then walk away from me. He says, no, you have to have (coughs) commitment to this relationship. He says, remain in me. The payment for sin is death, but God gives us a free gift of life forever in Jesus Christ our Lord. And Ed said, Amen. Amen. There we go. If we remain sinners, we will die. However, if we accept, there's a however. But God, however, God came up with a plan, had a plan for us. If we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior and repent of our sins, we will have eternal life. That's a lot of work. Not really, but it sounds like a lot of work. We need to accept Him. So when he's knocking, we open the door and say, "Yes, I choose you." And then what we do is we say, "This is my pain." This is my sin. This is the suffering. This is the the, the load I've been bearing my entire life. I'm guilty of this. Because what happens is is this sin doesn't fall off of us. Except when we have Jesus. Sin continues to put a burden on us, continues to weigh us down. You guys ever had that moment where you know you shouldn't have done that? And God is just, you're just like, nope, I'm going to do it. And you do it. And it's like. And it could be just something as simple as just a a snide remark to somebody or doing something, and you're just like, but that weight, that weight on you, that sin is going to bury you. But he says you have to repent and say, this is my sin. This is what I've done. This is what I've lived like. This is how I've spoken. This is what I've said. This is what everything. And I'm giving this to you because... I'm a sinner. I've sinned. If you don't think you've sinned, please reevaluate. If you don't think you've sinned, you do not need Jesus, you do not need God, and you do not need the church. And the Holy Spirit, yeah, you don't even need any of that if you think you have not sinned. But if you have sinned, We have to say, this is mine. It's like owning. You know, they, they, you, know that. you have to own it. We have to own it and say, this is my sin. I'm repenting from it. Now, Jesus says, oh, okay, that was your sin. You're like, oh, okay, well, you know, I did this. I'm repenting of it. You ever had to repent? Yeah. And it sucks. It's good, but it sucks. It does. And we have to say, sorry. We have to say, forgive me. And when it comes to Jesus, we have to say, forgive me, this is my sin. And we have to hold it to him and give it to him. We can't just say, well, you know, I kind of did this, you know, just work with it. No, we have to give it to him. We have to allow him to take it from us. The relationship has to be reciprocal. So when we say, this is my sin, I'm giving it to you. I repent of what I've done. He says, okay, I'll take that. He absorbs it. He says, I already paid for this, so now you're free. He gave us the potential for eternal life. He gave us the potential to have a life in him, blessed by him, with him in it, him hovering over us, him working with us and and being with us. People are like, what if Jesus was on earth today? We have something better than Jesus on earth today. We have the Holy Spirit. You know how many bookings for like TCT and TVN Jesus would have? They'd be like, you need to come on and talk to us today. I'm sorry. Um, But we don't need Jesus on earth because Jesus was one man. Limited reach, limited access, we have the Holy Spirit. What did the Holy Spirit do? People are like, well, the Holy Spirit, he's just here to you know, empower a believer and to guide us. No, he's here to convict us. If you don't think the Holy Spirit is here to convict us, you don't believe in the Holy Spirit because when you're doing something wrong, that's not God going, hey. It's the Holy Spirit going, Hey. But he gave us a free gift. Romans 10, 9 through 10. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Amen. For it is, be- I'm going to read that again and I want to hear a little more. <laughs> if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen. For it is believing in your heart that made you right with God, and it is the confessing with your mouth that you are saved. So you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, and you confess it with your mouth. It's like this. Yes, that's me believing it in my heart. Jesus, you are Lord. I give my life to you. I surrender myself to you. Do in me what you want to do I can't do this on my own I'm a hot mess even with Jesus sometimes I'm a hot mess we can't do it without Jesus confessing with your mouth you are saved believe here confess here that's classic God right there God thought about it and he spoke it God thought about it and he spoke it God thought about it and he spoke it it it. just confess that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart it's simple there is no easier way to do this. We, can, we could do five-minute you know, people praying for you and stuff like that. You know that most people don't get saved at church. They're saved in their car. For me, I was laying in bed as like a 10-year-old. I think it was 10 or 11. And it was just that moment. I'm like, I need this. Some of us get born again by fear. Some of us get born again by the revelation of who God is in our life, and we're like, I want to be part of that. For me, at first, it was, I don't want to go to hell. Yeah. Heard a good sermon on hell and damnation probably that, that couple days before that, I was like, I don't want to go to hell. But having a relationship with Jesus Christ, either one of those ways, getting a relationship with Jesus Christ is great, but I don't want to start out with the damnation and, and death and fire. I, want you to, I had to come into an understanding that Jesus was a, He was a good God and he loved me. I would want every one of you to have that start instead of the I'm going to burn and I'm going to be separated from God. That's a scary thing. And I don't want that to be someone's first experience of God. Of a relationship with God out of fear of, excuse me, out of fear of of death and hell. I want it to, I want it to be a relationship of, of understanding that God loves you. Again, it, it's, either way is going to lead you to God, but I don't want it to be the, the, the brimstone and fire. I want it to be the understanding of a loving and kind Savior who is accepting us in, who says, I'm standing at the door and I knock and I'm waiting for you. Because I want to know Jesus Christ as Savior and not judge. Because if I know him just as judge, I don't want. Because eventually we're going to have to come to reckoning of what we've done. And if Jesus is just a judge to us and no relationship, it's not going to end well. It says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. Romans 10.13 Whoever, you are a whoever- Who's that? Whoever. Who are you? Whoever. You're a whoever. It's as simple as that. doesn't mean you have to do a certain amount of things to get it that way. If you go to church on Saturday, or you go to church on Sunday, it doesn't matter. You're a whoever, as long as you call in the name of the Lord. If Jesus is showing up in dreams and visions to Muslims and terrorists that are, are leaving terrorist organizations because they've met with Jesus, everybody is a Whoever. No one is left out and says, well, you're not good enough for this. You just have too much sin in your life. No, he's like, you're a whoever, I love you. Yes. I want to have a relationship with you. Yep. Sometimes it might take coming in a dream and a vision for someone to meet Jesus and to have an understanding of who he is. I don't care how it happens, but I want it to happen. We don't want to say, well, you, you just don't fit in with church standards of what it is none of us do have you met me sarah and i don't fit in with church standards of what a church should look like and what a church should be and we said you know what we're not gonna fit in because you know what god has called us to a certain area that doesn't fit in and he's called us to people that will probably never step foot in a church and if they do it might be one time But to understand that God loves them and he wants a relationship with them and he's knocking on the door of their heart saying, I want a relationship with you. I want them to hear that. I want them to know of the goodness of God. No matter who steps foot in this building or meets us, I want them to know that God is good and he loves them. There's no religious formulas, rituals. It's just calling the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, I need you. I'm a sinner. I can't do this on my own. I need you to be in my life. You know, I was listening to this preacher one day, and he's like, he's in his 60s now, and he's like, every now and then, I go through it again. He's like, because I look at what the Bible talks about not having that relationship with Jesus is going to be like, and he goes, it scares me. And I'm not trying to put fear into anybody, but I look at what it would be like. I read what the Bible says, and it scares me. But it's not, it's not a fear that God is putting on us. It's a righteous fear that he says, this is what's going to be away from you. This is what it's going to be like when I'm not with you if you don't accept me. but all we have to do is call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I read, the, I wrote the, read this commentary this week, and I'm going to read this to you, and it was really good. Um, I'm going to read this to you. I, you guys just close your eyes, bow your heads. I just want you to read this, and I want you to hear this. Not looking at me and my good looks, I just want you to hear this. If you truly believe the message of the Roman road and want to accept Jesus, God's gift of salvation right now, it's a matter of repenting from your sins and turning the rest of your life over to Jesus Christ. It's not a ritual-based or any specific words, but rather a willful decision and a sincere step of faith. Father, I know I've broken your laws and my sins have separated from me and you or excuse me, me from you. I'm truly sorry, and I now turn away from my past sin and my life towards you. Please forgive me and help me to not sin. I believe in your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for my sins, was resurrected from the dead, is alive, and hears my prayer. I invite Jesus to be Lord of my life, to rule and reign in my heart. From this day forward, Please send your Holy Spirit to help me and guide me, to help me obey you and to do your will for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Repent and let everyone of you who is baptized in the name of, the Je- in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sin and you shall receive the Holy Spirit. You guys just keep your eyes closed right now. I just... It's so simple. Living a life with Jesus is simple. Being in him is simple. It's as simple as calling out and saying, I need you. I can't do this on my own. And I've, I think for us, if you've been in church 50 years, if you've been in church five years, it's five weeks, we all need Jesus. Whether it's for the first time or for the second time, bringing our lives back to him after we've walked away from him, or if it's the first time of surrendering our life to him. We need Jesus. And I just want to give you the opportunity right now in your seat just to, just to have that moment with him. Have that moment, just, I'm surrendering my life. I do this every now and then. When I know my life needs a, a fresh touch of Jesus in my life, I sur- we have to re-surrender ourselves to him. So I'm just going to give you guys that opportunity right now. It's as simple as saying, Jesus, I am broken. Will you guys repeat after me? Jesus, I am broken. I need you in my life. Please take my sin. Make me new. I surrender my life to you. I give my life to you. Use me. Guide me. I make you king of my heart. I make you lord of my life. I make you my master. And I submit to you as my servant. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is lord and you shall be saved. You guys open your eyes. It's not very painful. something that we need a reminder of. It's something that we need to look at every day. You know, there's times where I have my Bible on audio, and I will have the Romans Road. I have it saved as a little playlist, and I have certain scriptures saved as a playlist. And there'll be times where I'm rolling down the road, like in the mornings or on the way home from work, and I'm weeping because I'm listening to what he's doing. I'm weeping because I see his goodness throughout the centuries, throughout the ages, for the last 5,000 years, whatever it is. I don't know when I get into that. But I, I tear up and I start to sense the goodness of God and I start to see the goodness of God because he does love you. He does care for you. He has plans bigger than you can even imagine. But he says all you have to do is just submit yourself. Submit your will over to his. It's as simple as whosoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. And Ed said, Amen. Amen. Let's pray.